Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. What? Ow! Let the plate Sonic! Let the pitcher's mount also Sonic! Ugh, I can't with that guy. Uh-oh. Hiding out in my garage. They're coming for me! If they steal my power, they could conquer the universe. You have to help me. No, I don't. Please, it's life or death. Super Sonic. Good morning, my rural chum. Mr. Dr. Robotnik. I'm going to give you five seconds to tell me where it is. Wait, don't hurt him. <laughs> Road trip? Woo-hoo! This can't be happening to me. Oh my God, stop the car right what? now. What? The world's largest rubber band ball? We gotta see it. No, this is not some fun family road trip. Eh, you're right. It was lame. Gift shop was cool though. Whatever this creature is, I'm going to uncover the source of its power. Yeah, hey. I just thought you might like a latte with steamed Austrian goat milk. Of course I want a latte. I love the way you make them! We gotta lay low. Let me show you how it's done. So should we get out of here? Yeah, time to go. I always want to do this. Nailed it! Hey, hey. Uh-oh. Let's go! Here comes the boom! How are you not dead? I have no idea! Oh! Give me a big fat! That was an illegal left, by the way. Aw, this one is cute. Let's keep him. Oh, come on! You've got car insurance, right? Why would you throw your life away for this silly little alien? Good time. He's my friend. Let's go! This is my power. And I'm using it to protect my friends. Let's go! You're supposed to be Tom's best friend that he won't shut up about. Well, I don't see the appeal. That is very gross. Let's go. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. Joining me is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich. And we catch up with the Blue Blur in episode 161 today, February 22nd, 2020. We're going to catch up with each other and then we're going to just nosedive our way into our topic of the day, which is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie review, which you can fast forward to if you look at the detailed section down below. Otherwise, just keep listening. Steve, it is absolutely fantabulous to be able to talk to you at the end of this week. How are you? I'm doing great, Russ. Just doing great. It's been actually a slow week. <laughs> a slow honest. week? Uh, this week's been kind of dragging by a little bit, but... um. See, there can be like either a good, you know, a good slow week or a bad slow week. Like the bad slow week, like like things aren't happening the way you want them to, or maybe it's slow, like it's more relaxed. What? How would you describe your slow week, there, Steve? Slow as in time seemed to creep by at a snail's pace. I think that's because uh, when I've been sleeping, I wake up 
when either I'm hungry or um, I'm t- I'm thinking too much about random stuff about the next day or the day before or whatever, and I can't just shut off. So I wake up gr- kind of groggy, and then I got to face the day. Oh, there's this. The, <laughs> for example, like the beginning of the week, we were doing an event at work, and um, I get up, and we had to be there at the, the crack of dawn, and so my alarm goes off at like five in the morning and I can't, I'm, I'm not anybody to converse with at five in the morning. And I feel like discussing Socrates. Um, and it was gray outside and it was rainy. I'm like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. There is no way. I am. I, I feel, I felt exhausted and the day hadn't even started yet. I haven't taken one step and I'm, I'm exhausted. But, you know, I got through it. But that's how the week started. <laughs> and it kind of continued all the way through. And then that by, time, by the time Friday was here, I'm like, oh, it's Friday. It's Friday. Everybody get down on Friday. Would like, you consider Whoa. it to be a Friday for you, Steve? Uh, probably, probably not. Probably not, oh. probably not that much, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> so did you watch anything or did you play anything? Well, Russ, you see, we haven't really been talking a whole lot about what we've been watching and playing. Oh, is that is I that going to be I'll your say, patsy? Is that going to be your excuse? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, so I've been watching a whole, a whole <laughs> crap ton. Um, the wife and I uh, watched two, the Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and Return of the King back to back. Nice! And that was magical. I loved it. I recommend everybody uh, either do a marathon or at least watch two films back to back. Cause that's, I am overdue incredible. to watch those movies again. I, it's been, I think far too long. My Lord of the Rings meter is on empty. I need to replenish it, but please continue. Yeah, no. So, uh, <laughs> wifey was saying, uh, you know, I, we need a, we need a fourth Lord of the Rings movie. And I said, well, we already watched the, you know, the Hobbit pre pre Lord of the Rings. So we're kind of done. She goes, well, there's nothing else. And I go, well, there's the, uh, Last song by Bilbo, but that's the, that's a story. Um, no other. There's the games. Uh, no, no. See no that that's that, that's when you take that opportunity to be able to bust into like your Gandalf impression and start to like just just talk like Gandalf around the house, <laughs> right? And at first she was going to be sick of it, sick of all the movies. And now she's going, I need more. I need more. I'm like, ah, you do. Yes, you do. Let's see. So let's see. We watched. Oh. We've been binging and actually we had to stop because I, I more than her, but actually both of us were so, it was so intense. We were, we were binge watching season seven of 24 and at first she wasn't on board and now she is on board, but um, man, the show is so intense that we, it's, it's hard to calm down after watching a, a show or two. We could <laughs> we can't watch more than two in a night, but Season seven is still, I mean, that, that show keeps on cranking on and on and on and on. I only got one more season. I think that in the show, the whole series is done. But yeah, uh, I think you're reaching the end of it because um, I, I don't recall there being any other seasons after like season. I figured there were like season eight or season nine was was kind of the, yeah, the end of it. I think there's eight. I think I looked once and I thought there was nine and I looked again when we were watching and I think there's only eight now. Um, but you know well, who's... She- I was going to ask. She she hasn't been um, watching the seasons with you though. She's coming in like where right you left yeah. off. So she probably has a metric ton of questions for you. 
Yes, she does. Uh, and I'm having fun uh, telling her about all, all the characters and what's what the, been the backstory and, uh, you know, whatever, whatnot. So it, it, that's been cool. But you know who, um, you know, who's the president? This was a, a, a very nice surprise, actually. But you know who's the president in this one is uh, her name is Cherry Jones. And she is the officer uh, from the movie Signs. Um, you remember Signs, Mel Gibson and uh, oh, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Great movie. And she only plays a small part. She's the little, she's the police officer, but she plays a, a great part for as small as it was. And I always thought, I, I want to see more movies with her. And I thought she did a great job. And so when I saw her as the president, I was like, yes, she's perfect for this role. That's awesome. So um, anyhow, she's doing a great job. But um, anyhow, so uh, we're almost done with that. We're on like the last disc, but we did, we just had to take a break. And so we we <laughs> to go for something lighthearted. We watched Ratatouille again, which oh, um, dude, that's a great movie. That movie has a piece of my heart, and I I I, I love that movie. That's so near and dear to me. Um, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love that movie so much. Anyway, uh, but I won't <laughs> I won't gush over that because we have a time schedule. So and that's the I think finally we watched. Uh, Hidden Kingdom with uh, Jackie Chan and Jet Li, which that was that was pretty entertaining. Um, little kind of a slapstick uh, comedy, as uh, you know, as, as Jet Li, or excuse me, as Jackie Chan does. So uh, that was that was fun. It wasn't you know you, you can't really take many of his movies seriously, but that was fun. That that was that was pretty cute. I don't even remember the last time I saw Jet Li in a movie. I know Jackie Chan is, um, he's getting pretty old, so he's not able to do all the crazy stunts yeah. that he did when he was younger. But Jet Li, I always thought was kind of the the next uh, like martial arts master to take on the, the mantle after Jackie Chan uh, seemed to kind of uh, take it easy there for a bit. But I haven't seen him in, in really anything for years. Yeah, actually, well, Jet Li, you see... Jet Li is different than than Jackie Chan in that Jackie Chan's more like acrobatic type style with martial arts, and Jet Li is more precise choreography with martial arts. So he's not nearly as flamboyant, but he's just as, um, or I, I would say he's probably quicker and probably more dangerous. Um, but actually, I think Jackie Chan is coming out with a um, with a movie and with Arnold Schwarzenegger, if I'm not mistaken. Supposed to come out. Uh, I forgot what the name of it was. I saw a preview of it. Um, ah, what is it called? I'll have to look into it. But uh, yeah, he's actually. Uh, I think it's. I think it's the Iron Mask. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I saw a preview of it on YouTube, and I was like, "Wait, look at that!" Arnold Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan. I would never have thought those two would be together. But okay. <laughs> Anyhow, oh, and I should tell you, I nearly rage quitted on Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order when I was fighting, um, what's the guy's name? It's, uh, you're with, uh, you're with, you're on the, you're on the very bleak red planet with, uh, all the zombie sister chicks with green eyes. Um, oh, uh, the guy's name starts with an M and is the planet called, it's like, it starts with a D, doesn't it? Or like Jamora or Dothamir or something like Dothamir, that. Dothamir. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Had so, my consonants and vowels kind of jumbled up there. Yeah. <laughs> if you rearrange them, it says Dothamir. <laughs> right. So I knew, you know, I knew I was going to fight that dude at some point. I did. And oh, the, the, he takes so many cheap shots. I mean, I keep on reflecting back to the podcast we had on what makes a good boss fight. 
and I remember what I said. I remember what you said. And I, I there's so many cheap shots he takes where it doesn't really necessarily obey the rules of what the game establishes that you can do. Um, oh, I can't stand it. So anyhow, um, I, I by a mistake, I figured out his weak point uh, or just something that would whittle down his health. And so I kept doing the same thing. And I, and, uh, I took two breaks. <laughs> I took two breaks. <laughs> when I got all the way to like, I'm going to throw my controller through the screen. I'm going to, this is it. And then um, I would stop. I'd play some Clash of Clans. I would uh, maybe eat a bite of chocolate or something, you know, cool off, get a little bit of milk. And then I came, I would come back up and uh, try it again. And finally I, I bested him. So just so you know, you are not alone. That uh, boss fight is probably one of the more annoying boss fights. I was the same way. I, it took me several times to get past that boss fight. And and I found myself getting uh, pretty aggroed over the whole situation. So the late night hours of 2 a.m. in the morning, I swung my lightsaber and I snuffed out my opponent upon the mountainside. Excellent. Excellent, I say. So, but you haven't beaten the game yet, have you? No. So where are you now? So just right at that happened last night. Okay. So you didn't play any farther. Okay. No. I got, well, I got back in the ship and then I left. And that's it. That's where I saved. I love that planet though. That planet is so well done. Just looking at all at, at the environment art, the way everything is laid out. I was thinking, man, this is really cool. I can't take my, I, I don't know why it's only a special move for you to use two lightsabers. Why don't you just lose them, lose them two, like two swords. Why is only, why are you, are you only stuck to one sword or like a bow lightsaber, but you can't just keep two lightsabers like he had. Because you can do a move where he breaks off the bow mm-hmm. uh, or detaches it, I guess. And then you're, he has two lightsabers and then he does one move where he, it's like a, a horizontal down slice and then he puts them back together and then he's back to, to fighting. Right. But why can't I just keep two lightsabers? Well, well, you have to have something for the sequel, Steve. Yeah, I guess. Um, Plus, too, I mean, the I, voice. I, I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the voice of that dude, um, whatever his name is, uh, start with an M, the baddie. Um, he was uh, the voice. The, the actor who does that was the actor who played Spartacus in the later Spartacus uh, uh, series on Stars. It started out as one guy and he. Uh, passed away due to cancer. And then this other guy took over and then did that series. And then I'm not, I never really followed him, but I, I recognize cause he kind of has this, um, it's not nasal per se, but sometimes he, he sounds like he has a stuffy nose or maybe like he broke his nose or something, um, early in his life and it never corrected, but I can hear that transfer when he, when he says his S's. And so when, when the, the villain was speaking, I'm like, that sounds so familiar. I've, I've heard this before. And so I had to M-dibit, and I was correctamundo. Nice. I, you know, I don't know at all um, the 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 sound of the, from you know the the voice of the actor. I, I I for one was not able to place him. I did find his his voice 
actually um, really cool sounding though in the game. I remember when you first meet him and he's got like his hood over his head and he's just kind of acting as like your fake friend kind of thing. And I just, I found that a lot of how he, just, just the texture quality of his voice and how he pronounced certain things. I was thinking, yeah, this, this guy sounds pretty cool. And I, I for one, could not place it. It wasn't like, oh, uh, I recognize his voice from these other games I've played. I don't, in fact, I don't even know if he, if this is his first title or if he has voiced previous characters in games. Do you know? I don't know if he's done previous uh, <clears throat> previous games per se. Um, actually, no. He did. He was um, he was in Gears of War four. JD Phoenix. Really? Yeah. Well, that's cool. All right. Yeah, I'll have to... I wonder if... You, you said you found him on IMDb or not? Yes. I'll have to take a look and uh, just take a little screenshot of his career and see what other games he's been a part of. It's kind of funny because a couple people from that uh, from that Spartacus show are, are now doing voice work in games. Anyhow, moving on, Russ. Uh, ah. What about uh, your booty? What have you been up to? So I've been watching a couple of films, actually. I watched a movie that you watched a while back, Creed 2. Oh, yeah. Yes. What'd you think? Um, you know, I, th- I thought there were things about it that, that were good. I thought it, w- it was um, uh, a film that, like, you know, I-, I didn't find myself getting bored or anything. I think the main thing about it is that the Rocky series is so predominantly about Rocky, and I think it, it presents a unique challenge for newer characters to come in, especially if it is kind of a passing of the torch to, to a new type of character, that sort of thing, because Rocky is about Rocky. And I think they still did a nice job. You know, I I liked where they were taking the character arc of Rocky Balboa in this film. And honestly, I think there's something endearing about how they were very conscious where they took the character of Rocky, how when he was younger, he was, just this, um, this really in shape, amazing boxer. He had to work his way to the top. He had to learn a lot of life lessons and that sort of thing. And, and I think it's, it was a a neat opportunity for him to continue being kind of more into that, that coach role, uh, uh, for Creed. And, um, you know, to be fair, like the, the, the name of this particular movie is not even named Rocky. It is Creed, you know, it's a sequel to the first Creed movie. Um, so I, I suppose now that I'm talking about it, I think maybe it does make a bit more sense in, in the regard of, of how they're, they're trying to launch up this, this other type of boxing franchise or, or kind of a, um, kind of a, a fork in the road cousin to the Rocky series, if you will. But, um, yeah, I, I, there were things I liked about it and there are other things where I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I don't think that it, it um, is anywhere near as good as like Rocky one, two, and three. And, uh, but I do, I will say that, that some of the, the more later films, I think it stacks up pretty well. You know, I think Michael B. Jordan did a really nice job. I think that this type of role fits his physique. It fits his acting methodology and, I liked where the story was going. I thought it was really neat how his girlfriend who uh, he ended up, I think getting engaged to how she was the singer who also um, was a, was almost um, completely deaf. She had to wear 
hearing aids and how they got had a um, you know certain things happen. I don't want to go through the whole entire plot, but um, I found myself really liking how they stuck with very real world situations and events that that just people in, in everyday life come across. And so I thought, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And then I also watched Overlord. Did you ever see that movie? That sounds familiar, but if I did, I don't remember enough about it. So Overlord was that <laughs> like almost like survival horror uh, type of movie. If you recall, we saw the, the trailers for it where it takes place during World War II and the Nazis and, and they focus on how these these uh, paratroopers are trying to infiltrate some sort of Nazi science lab thing and they, they have some sort of serum that they're giving uh, they're to their hapless victims that makes them look like they're almost like the undead zombies or something like that. Do you remember that? I, th- I think it came out like, like a year ago or two years ago. I don't, I, I maybe if I saw the trailer, but uh, <laughs> I, I, it's not ringing any bells. Well, so I watched it last night and it is a, a movie that you could tell it had a limited budget. It's, it's one of those films that's not to be taken very seriously. It almost has kind of a grindhouse ish approach to the material, but it's not completely in that direction. And I, I you know, I, I was strangely entertained. I was like, you know, I'll, I'll just go along with it because some, some of it was, was pretty downright goofy, but there are other parts too that, you know, you had your, your obligatory gross out moments and that sort of thing. And I, to me, it was a proper Friday night movie after a long, uh, hard worked week. You know, it's fun just to kind of turn your mind off and plop on the couch and watch a movie like this. I was like, okay, you know, I probably won't ever watch this movie again, but I got to check it off my watch list. And you know, it was just, it was one of those little fun movies. Collect your Chaos Emeralds and go supersonic. It's time for the topic of the day. of the day is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie review. We're going to begin as we always do, giving our high-level impressions of the film before our drill down into spoiler territory in which case, if you haven't seen the movie, then you may want to do so. But at this point in time, I'm very interested in hearing your thoughts, Steve, on what you thought of the movie. Well, 
Oh, <clears throat> he's doing the clearage of the throat. I, it, it, it was fun. It was, you know, there was, there was parts of it where uh, you could appreciate it being a fan of Sonic and then you could appreciate it. I think if you were a kid and you want some, you know, lighthearted movie that had some action and some special effects. Um, it definitely was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, but that being said, I mean, I, it, it was, it was fun. I, I didn't, wasn't jumping for joy after I, you know, I left the theater. I was wanting a little bit more. I thought it was going to be, um, kind of more of a roller coaster type, you know, film style. Um, and, it, and maybe what I wanted wasn't a good idea. I don't know. I mean, when I, when I used to watch you play Sonic, he was everywhere doing corkscrews and high jumps off stuff and loop-de-loops and just flying all over the screen. Uh, and I, I don't know, maybe that would, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a bad idea. I, I thought they would, they would kind of sprinkle a little bit more of that in the movie. Um, and I don't know, maybe that was a bad idea. I don't know. I, I just can't make up my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I would have vomited in the theater, it would have been a bad thing. So maybe, maybe that's uh, maybe that's not saying. <laughs> this is great. Oh man! So oh, pop, more popcorn. Cool. Uh, that being said, I you know Jim Carrey was more like Ace Ventura, pet detective, um, man in the what is that? Man in the iron? No, not man in the iron. The, just the mask. The mask. Jim Carrey. <laughs> Let's see, the um, iron, uh, the ma- uh, something, he puts his face in a mask. Uh, mask, yeah. yes. <laughs> the green mask. Uh, the guy with the big teeth and the, and the, and the, and the lips and the Smoking. green skin. Smoking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> dressed oh, like a man. banana. Uh. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, oh, what's her face is in that movie? I think that was the first time we saw her. She was in also in, uh, and Charlie's Angels, I forgot, but I remember when we saw that movie in the in the theater, we were like, "Oh my goodness, who is that on screen? Who was that? Oh, good grief, it's gonna kill me. I gotta look it up." Um, but anyhow, so the, I thought about Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, yes, yeah, very young, young Cameron Diaz. Yep. Anyhow, the jokes I thought were, you know, they were they're chuckle worthy. I, I didn't find it hilarious or anything, but. Um, uh, I thought I thought all the actors did a great job. I thought the story was fine. I thought the story, you know, how they wrote it was good to push the plot along. Um, I think they took a little bit of, you know, liberties of not explaining certain stuff. Um, you know, it's it's more of a kid's movie, I think, than an adult movie. So I think they can get away with a lot of that. But um, there was there was more like sonic abilities that I was hoping that I would see and didn't see. Um there was a ton. I thought maybe not a ton, but probably a little bit too much like product placement, like advertising uh, that I would that I would expect in a movie. <laughs> really? What I you know I don't actually recall the different product placement that they had in there. What what did you remember? Oh, well, like for sure, um, Toyota. I mean, every scene with that yeah. truck, like it's yeah. in the perfect angle, and the truck sounds amazing, and it's always clean, like the Toyota Toyota, which is fine. Like, hey, it's a pretty handsome truck, by the way. It, it is a pretty handsome truck, but I mean, it's so obvious that they're throwing it at you. And then, like the whole thing with the Olive Garden, 
Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but uh, there's <laughs> the product placement for the hologram. Okay, okay, guys, got it, got it. All right, they, they helped pay for the movie too. Good, okay. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, just like stuff like that. But anyhow, tossing it back to you, Russ. Uh-huh. Tossing it like two tails. <clears throat> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that you hit on a lot of good points. I think that this was a, fu- a fun family movie. When I went and saw this, I took my wife and daughter, and my daughter is a huge Sonic fan. I introduced her to Sonic the Hedgehog through Team Sonic Racing, and since we started playing that, then she wanted to know much more about Sonic, and so I showed her the original Sonic the Hedgehog video game from the, the Sega Genesis 1990 days. And, uh, or excuse me, 1991 is the correct release date year. But, um, yeah, we played some of the, uh, like Sonic CD and there was even a, another team Sonic racing game that came out, I think back in like 2013 or something. And so she enjoyed playing that too. And she, I mean, she knows the characters. She knows all the names. We were, we were also playing Sonic generations. That's another game for the Xbox 360, uh, PS3 days. And she really loves to play that and then watch daddy play it as well. And so she knows uh, the names of Sonic and Tails and Knuckles and Amy and Vector, just all all the different characters, uh, which has been pretty impressive, I must say, considering it's a a, a video game and she's only five years old. So I thought that in terms of of a a family movie, for us, it's one of those things that we become more acutely aware of when when it comes to wanting to take our daughter to go see a movie. And I think the last movie we went, we went and saw as a family was probably Frozen 2. And I think that came out, uh, what, like last November or something. So it's it's been a few months since something has been in theaters that we can all go to um, as a family and enjoy. I think that um, the director um, making that conscious decision after the huge backlash of the way Sonic looked during the initial trailer and iterating on Sonic's look was absolutely vital to the survival of this movie. And I think it paid off in dividends. I think that was in fact the saving grace of, of being able to not allow your, your ego or your pride to get in the way and actually be humble, be receptive, listen to what the fans have to say about it. And they, they did, they delayed the movie and they went back and, and did a complete redesign. And if you look, like I have a picture up on screen right now in front of me, and it shows a side-by-side comparison of what they were originally going to use versus the the redesign. It is no comparison at yeah. all. The first it's, one is hideous. Yeah, it so looks ugly. Like, like Chucky. <laughs> if, if Chucky was Sonic the Hedgehog. It really does. Like, it, it looks nothing like <laughs> Sonic. And I mean, like you touched on this a little bit earlier, I am a huge Sonic fan. Like Sonic the Hedgehog is probably my favorite video game character ever. I just, I find the design just extremely appealing. I love his persona, his behavior, mood, all that. I think that um, the games have been extremely fun. They really helped shape my uh, childhood and adolescence in, in video gaming. And so um, I was definitely one of those people who, who wanted to see a proper representation of Sonic. So I thought Jim Carrey was entertaining as Dr. Robot Nick. I think that, that the a character such as Robot Nick, and I'll get more into detail about this later, but I think that it's a hard character to pull off because in the games, Robotnik really doesn't have much of a personality. They they started to, to explore his personality, I think, in the last two to three titles, but by and large, he's kind of an abstract 
boss. You know, you, you, you kind of come across him toward the end of the levels, at least when Sonic 1, 2, and 3, and Sonic and & Knuckles, Sonic CD, a lot of the, the, the classic, even Sonic Adventure, that sort of thing. In Sonic Adventure, I don't think he was really um, in it as much, if I recall. my my I've played so many Sonic games. I know there are certain games where he doesn't have as much of a, a presence as others, but I think that Jim Carrey was was uh, just a really great choice, and I think that that um, gave lots of opportunities for Jim to do what he does best, which is to create these over-the-top uh, characters that have a lot of physical comedy to them. And uh, And I got to say... If you told me way back in the early 90s that Jim Carrey was going to play Dr. Robotnik in a Sonic movie, I would never believe it. I think I would I would say you're nuts. And I think it's just crazy how, oh my gosh, here we are. We <laughs> It's 2020. We have ourselves a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. And Jim Carrey is back to his old antics of like what made him super popular and famous in the first place, which is the, the old school Jim Carrey of the nineties. So <laughs> I thought that was worth mentioning that. Um, I think that this is actually a video game movie adaption done. Well, I think that, that if you think about the other video games that have been turned into movies, they haven't really been all that good. Like I know like a, a long time ago, like there was a super Mario movie and it was just awful. And there was a Mortal Kombat movie. That one was actually okay. I think you and I have kind of talked about that off and on about how for its time, it actually was okay. And I think that that was the general consensus of the fans who went to go see the movie is that it could have been a whole lot worse than it was. And, it, you know, it was, it was pretty okay. Is that, am I, am I accurate in that? Yeah, it definitely was not, was not bad. It was, you know, it was pretty low budget, but it wasn't bad, but they are making another Mortal Kombat movie. Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. I figured we will get into that a little bit later too. Also, there was a street fighter movie that had Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme and <laughs> you know, again, it was okay. I'll, I'll give it that. Like again, it could have been a whole lot worse. I, but at the same time, it could have been a whole lot better. And I think, I think one of the things that Hollywood has struggled with, and I think that this also, by the way, has to do with comic book movies is early on Hollywood didn't know how to really embrace the subject material from comic books. And so when you look back at the older comic book movies from like the late nineties, early two thousands, they are um, a pretty substantial departure from the Marvel cinematic universe movies that we've enjoyed over the last 10 years. And I think it's because you, you actually had someone like Kevin Feige who said, no, like if you want to make this work, you really have to embrace everything that has to do with these characters. And I think that, that they have obviously benefited very well from that. And I think it's the same thing with video games. I think that with, with video game movie adaptions, I think that Hollywood needs to also really embrace the subject matter of the games that they came from. And I think there is a bit of a challenge around that just because games are fundamentally different than movies, even though the two industries are becoming more and more aligned and almost starting to have kind of a blending. I still honestly believe that, you know, when it comes to games, the predominant force behind games is the fact that you are playing in uh, something that's interactive. It is a game. The gameplay mechanics are there. The story acts as kind of a purpose or reason to exist in this world that's been fabricated, but oftentimes the story tends to kind of play second fiddle, which I mean, honestly it should to the gameplay mechanics that that's why you're playing a game as opposed to just sitting down and watching a movie and being told a story. 
when it comes to, to certain story driven games though, I think that the story certainly almost plays um, kind of uh, at the hip with the game itself because the story itself becomes much more uh, um, of a, a critical component. But uh, I think it is, it's worth noting when it comes to Sonic that the movie blasted its way to an astonishing $57 million opening weekend domestically. And as a result, it now stands as the highest opening weekend for a movie based on a video game, which by the way, it beat out last year's Pokemon detective Pikachu movie. And that's oh, no small feat. That. Oh, a crazy good movie. That was oh, man. well again, <laughs> Even even if you have no interest in the Pokemon universe, I mean, you have you have to admit that Pokemon as a as a franchise and as as like just a, this, yeah. this huge library of characters. I mean, it is super popular among kids. Yeah, I got you, Russ. I got you. And now overseas, it also added an additional forty three million over the opening weekend. So for the worldwide launch, Sonic made, um, I think right around a hundred million dollars. So, uh, when That's it great. comes to when, when I, I know when I found out about that, I honestly had no idea that, uh, this level of, of love and interest in Sonic still exists, but apparently it does. I figured it was kind of more of like a relic of the nineties or something. And, it just folks like myself who grew up with those games of old had kind of a nostalgia for it, but it seems as though that Sonic has been able to maintain its popularity. So I will say that I had a, a fun time watching the movie. Steve, why don't you uh, spin dash your way into that spoiler elevator with me? Oh, look, we're already at the spoiler floor. That was the fastest spoiler elevator I think we have ever been a part of, if I do say so myself. Um, I have to say that where I was sitting in the theater, there was a gentleman to my left who, I don't know if he if there's some convulsing belch illness out there, or he was just someone who <laughs> found relief or uh, mild entertainment by burping on command. But the entire movie, and he wasn't like belching so loud it was disturbing. But I, mean, I was sitting right next to him and he was constantly covering his mouth. But like every few minutes I heard this. <laughs> and then he would eat a little bit more popcorn or he would just sit there and then he would <laughs> like what is your deal and I mean it could have been a lot worse but that happened through the whole movie and then I think some dude brought his uh, grandkids <laughs> to see it and he passed out to have the nap of his life and like towards the end of the I mean I could always hear something, but it was tons more sound effects going on where I could kind of filter it out. But towards the end of the movie, all I could hear in the back was <laughs> I'm like, is there like a AC hose open somewhere? What is this? And the dude and everyone was busting up. I think someone finally elbowed him. I'm like, but I don't know. Probably drank a little too much about them there, sweet tea. 
This was this was in the morning showing too. Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> that was my movie going extreme. I feel bad. You were able to sound like you could hear like every nook and cranny of the, the deep recesses of that one dude's <laughs> bowel and digestive system. It sounded uh, gnarly. <laughs> All right. Excuse well, me, sir. Would you like a Tums? Yeah. <laughs> Rolates, perhaps. <laughs> anyway, we're going to go into... We're going to go into spoiler territory here. So if you haven't watched the movie, we invite you to pause us and go see the film. If you don't care, then, well, you just keep on listening. So let's jump into plot here. There are several notes here that I wanted to address. So the movie starts out where Sonic, uh, he has this owl mother figure slash guardian on a different world who saves him from the local savages. And I, I wanted to pause there and talk about how awesome they of a job they did creating Sonic's world. I mean, I loved watching him doing the loop-de-loops and going through all the kind of like this uh, tropical paradise that we all have come to know and love about um, some of the, the most popular stages from the Sonic video games. Did you like how um, the visual aesthetic was for that part? Oh yeah, I, I I thought I had the same thoughts that I did with uh, the Bumblebee Transformers movie when they showed Cybertron. Yes, all CG. I thought, make that movie, make that movie with all of that right there. And then I saw this, which you know was basically Green Hill Zone as everybody would want it. And I thought, yes, let's let's see more of this. Stay here. Let's make this movie happen like right here, and then we'll do Earth like later on. But. Um, <laughs> That, that's actually what I wanted most of was was that what they showed us in the beginning. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. I'm so glad that you brought up the Transformers thing because the uh, the Bumblebee movie it was like the first like ten or twelve minutes of the movie. I remember you saw it before I did, and so you were saying, yeah, you're gonna like geek out during the first ten minutes of this movie because and you, and you wouldn't you wouldn't go into detail at the time, but you're just like just trust me, you're gonna love it. And you were right. I remember watching. I'm thinking, man, I want a movie like this. This is this is exactly. I want like two hours of just that. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to the Sonic movie, where seeing it was such an idealized vision, where we saw his world that was no longer confined by pixel art or um, limited polygon counts or anything. I mean, you saw. Green Hill Zone, and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I want to stay here. This is fantastic, and everything about that they did, you, you could tell it was a love letter to the games. Yeah. Like you could tell, like like the artists really wanted to properly represent that, which I thought was super cool. So, um, having said that, well, the, the, there are some kind of savages that were, that were after, and this is kind of baby Sonic. You know, he he's not full grown yet, so. The, the owl is protecting him and introduces him to the concept of the rings. And I thought what was really cool is that, um, you know, the rings can be used as portals to other worlds. And if you think about the video games, if you get at least 50 rings or more in the games, then it creates that huge ring that you can jump into when you reach the end of the stage and it takes you to the bonus stage. So it is a, a form of uh, a teleportation, if you will. And... Um, you know, in the in the film, Sonic finds himself alone on Earth, and so I mean, in my opinion, I think that it was a good vehicle that ties into the bonus stages from the game. Did you like that? Yeah, I thought I you know I didn't know how they were gonna 
incorporate the rings into um, into the movie. Uh, but I thought it tied in very well. It also kind of tied in, well, I don't know about tied in, but it also left the door open for maybe, I guess, Sonic lore, <laughs> if you will, where, um, you know, it's obvious they, where he came from. They have some um, little, some magic that can go to different worlds and... Uh, in the beginning, you would think, that, I guess the, the, the owl's name was Talon. Uh, you thought Talon died, but Talon didn't die. And obviously Tails comes from uh, that that same world. And so uh, it still exists and you know, the, the, the evil tribe didn't take over or whatever. I was so hoping it, that you saw Tails. I wasn't sure if you were like bolted out of the theater if you saw that, but that that was like such a, a really cool Easter egg. Yeah, it was. Um, and so I... I I appreciated how they, they, they did incorporate those rings. I was hoping they wouldn't do it too much because that would just be Sonic collecting rings throughout the movie and not driving a story, which everyone needs a story when they go watch a movie. So I'm glad that how they used the rings as um, something that was very precious to Sonic. Um, and they only spilled the rings like once and he just collected them all and that was that. Um, which was cool too. It- cause, cause it made sense. Like, you know, from the game, if you get hit, you lose all your rings, you got to collect them again. I, I liked how they, they made it, um, something into a purposeful thing that like still it, it harkened back to some of the stuff that you recall from the games. Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, I was with it. So let's see. So he's, he spends the next, like, I don't know, 10 years, I think, um, in green Hills, Montana, which was awesome. I loved how they called it green Hills, just like, you know, green Hill zone from the game. And he's becoming increasingly lonely. And so Sonic gets upset and creates some type of Sonic boom, which knocks out power uh, to the uh, the power grid in the Northwest. The U.S. government hires Dr. Robotnik to investigate, enter Jim Carrey. And I think, personally, this is the Jim Carrey from the good old days. Like, th- this is the Jim Carrey that I have always... I think you do, too. I, th- I think that, that we loved growing up was we would watch in living color and we'd watch him on there. And he, he was like our favorite on that, that TV show. And then when he started making movies like Ace Ventura and the mask and dumb and dumber, that sort of thing, the slapstick comedy, that was absolutely what just put Jim Carrey head and shoulders above all the other comedians, in my opinion. And, uh, and then subsequently he just, he kind of got obsessed over wanting to do more serious roles, which just, it really confused me. Because I'm thinking, man, like you, you know that like your calling, your, your talent and everything is in making people laugh. And that's not an easy thing to do. That's a very hard thing to do. And I appreciate him as an artist wanting to expand himself a bit, but I think he did himself over the, the long term a bit of a disservice because there is a lot of other kind of baggage that, that has kind of um, been heaped on in terms of, 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 who he is and what, what he's interested in and what he's doing and roles and that sort of thing. And um, so I, for one was, was very pleased to see him go back to his roots. what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely appreciated that. I, I think it, some scenes with him where I think were taken a little bit too, I don't know, kind of long or, or, or stretched out um, where I, I wanted him. It's one thing if you watch Jim Carrey be, uh, Ace Ventura, uh, or the Grinch, um, or, uh, fire Marshal bill. <laughs> um, but I think if he acts like Ace Ventura, 
in another movie where you're not thinking of Ace Ventura, it makes you think of Ace Ventura when you're trying to think of a different character. So I think he was walking in kind of a tight line. And I think some scenes with him uh, were just a little bit too drawn out. Like the, the scene with when he, when he uh, first makes, makes his introduction with the, the general and that whole joke of basically him telling the general, he's not important and no one's as smart as he, I thought, okay, I got it. I got it. I got the joke. I laughed. Now it's not funny anymore. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing or that whole dance scene. I thought, okay, yeah, it's funny. I get it. Okay. Move on. And I just kind of thought, okay, this is just Jim Carrey being wacky. And uh, maybe, maybe those scenes weren't for me. Maybe the little kids will laugh at him more than I did. Yeah. But, um, anyhow. Uh, so I, I liked Jim Carrey the way he was. I just kind of wanted him to do something a little bit different other than um, be his, his, because if you think of him and dumb and dumber, he acted, he was funny. He was hilarious in Dumb and Dumber, but he wasn't acting like Ace Ventura. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that you're right. I, th- I think he was having to walk that tightrope of having both um, the, the, the adults entertained as well as the kids because there are clearly going to be kids that are going. So those, those two scenes that, that you described just now, I think were much more for the kids. And I also think too, that when it came to him talking to the general, that is one of the uh, scenes that they just played ad nauseum during the trailers. And so I think a lot of the, the initial, uh, charm and, and, and funniness wore off. I know for me, by the time I was watching the movie and we got to that scene, it's like, okay, this is like the scene from the trailers that introduces Jim Carrey. So, uh, I was kind of, um, feeling like that part of it was, was a bit tired, but that's, it's not neither here nor there. It's just a, a byproduct of the marketing. So Dr. Robotnik becomes obsessed with finding the alien animal in order to harness its power um, and has many types of machines to help him do so, which is just like from the video game. And again, I find myself appreciating how they took those those simple antics from the game and then applied them into something that's, yeah, like, like I could actually suspend my disbelief and, and believe, yeah, the way that they approach this subject material, I think it, it could happen in the real world. And so he has um, all kinds of, of fun vehicles and drones. I personally, one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie was when he was chasing after them in the pickup truck and we saw <laughs> how this, this uh, uh, self-driving military vehicle thing had like multiple incarnations like you think it was done and then out and then all of a sudden like another like weird Frankenstein monstrosity thing came out from it and kept going did you like that scene yeah I thought that was pretty good I I wouldn't know how they were gonna I remember seeing part of that in the trailer but I didn't know how they were gonna do it and um, I didn't know what to expect I'm like oh he got it cool and they were just gonna drive away but then it kept on it seemed like one of those uh What's those eggs things where you put up like 10 eggs in one egg and then you keep on you popping out oh, smaller yeah, it's, and smaller it's eggs like the, until you finally the, get something at the end? Yeah, it's the it's the Russian doll thing. I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Anyway, had, so that was that. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, well, go ahead, please. I was going to say, I just thought it was kind of funny because they um, it was one thing after another. That was actually one joke that I, I did appreciate kind of lasting a little while because it was original. I mean, one thing led to another, another to another. I'm like, what else are they going to do? And this thing kept getting smaller and smaller, but still like <laughs> had a punch. I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, 
He's like, oh, look, it's cute. I want to keep this one. And all of a sudden, the laser comes out. He's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see myself enjoying more and more of that. And it spoke to some of the, the genius of uh, Dr. Robot Nick in, in a way that I, I was not expecting them to, to go down that road. No pun intended. <laughs> Were you going to say something else? No. No? Okay. Um, so I, I felt like um, another really cool moment in the plot was when Maddie's niece hooks Sonic up with his trademark red sneakers. Yeah, that was probably my favorite part. Honestly. Yeah, that, that definitely one of the highlights of the movie. I thought it was really, really cool how when, when we see Sonic, how he's just found some beater shoes that don't even match and how he's just getting by with what he can find. And it was cool because, again, they took their time with some of the, the key elements from the game. And, of course, Sonic's trademark red shoes, those are definitely something that is, is part of the branding that is Sonic. And I loved how he didn't just automatically have those shoes ready to go. And I, I thought it was actually a terrific opportunity to be able to give purpose to the niece and how she saw that, that Sonic didn't have good shoes and she brought in these, these pair of, I think they were like uh, Pumas, I think, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Pumas, yeah. And uh, I, I just, I, I love that scene. I thought it was touching. I didn't think it was cheesy or corny. And, it, and again, because these things tend to have more of like a, an abstract uh, presence in the games, I know that, that I think if I remember correctly in the canon, how like they, they kind of explain that Sonic does in fact receive his shoes from something. I can't remember exactly what it is. Like they, they, they did a little teensy weensy bit of, of plot for that in the games, but, but hardly any. And so I, I found myself totally accepting this version of, of creative license with it. I'm glad, I'm glad you did too. I was, I was wondering when I was watching, I'm like, I wonder if Steve is going to like this scene or not. Yeah, no, that was definitely my favorite scene in the movie. I mean, I, you would figure that was something that you can, I guess, bring some logic to uh, in the movie where, I mean, Sonic's running blisteringly fast and his shoes are just going to wear out. I mean, he doesn't have, you know, magical red slippers. Uh, <laughs> There's no place like home. There's no place like home. <laughs> um, you know, and so his shoes are going to wear out naturally. And so when his shoes wear out, I, I think actually when they, when Dr. Robotnik took um, an x-ray of that, or not really an x-ray, but a, a mold and was able to determine, like you know, the, the, the entire skeleton of the creature or part part of the creature, just by the footprint. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool, actually. But um, it showed that Sonic had a what looked like to me a broken toe. Maybe that mm. was just um, something that didn't come up on his on his image scan. But it looked like Sonic had a broken toe, which would indicate, you know, maybe he going so fast, you know, he hit his foot against something, and it, his shoe obviously had a bunch of wear and tear and holes in it. And, um, and so anyhow, fast and fast forward. Um, I just thought, it, yeah, I thought it was a really cool scene. I, I think sometimes in movies, uh, my screenwriters or directors get too caught up on how bad humans can be. Um, but they don't really show the good side of what, you know, humans can do, <clears throat> excuse me. And so this sweet little girl, uh, saw that he needed shoes and she had an extra pair that she wasn't wearing and, um, you know, maybe it was a, uh, like a, a, the wrong, a, the wrong gift over the holidays or something, who knows, you know, but she had these shoes that she obviously didn't, didn't want. And, um, and Sonic had, uh, feet the size brought where her feet size was. And so she just grabs them, throws them on. And that was like the, the perfect gift for Sonic. And, um, I don't know, I just kind of showed, 
the good side of human nature, you know? And uh, I, I, I appreciated that. I really did. I thought that was kind of a magical scene. Right on. So Sonic eventually, you know, there comes a point where Sonic eventually stops fleeing and confronts Robotnik uh, with his power, which I thought was really cool too, because I think children will be able to identify with Sonic's character throughout this movie in the sense that him being smaller and how he was just told to run and he, he was always trying to get away from danger, that sort of thing. But he wasn't really aware of the power that he possessed or how to manipulate that correctly. And I think when it comes to more of like the psychology of, of humans, I think that as children, that is your first instinct is to constantly run away. And, and it should be because that's kind of your, your fight or flight mechanism, right? But I think as you get older and you have certain life events that transpire, I think that there are times where suddenly you realize you need to stand your ground. And especially when it comes to um, watching out for your friends. And I think that's such a, a tried and true mindset to have is when you're a true blue friend and you see your other friends in danger or trouble, you do what you can. You go out of your way to, to help them or maybe even sometimes protect them. And I think that type of thing is, is a, um, a true testament to the quality of, of anybody. And I think it was really cool to see how suddenly there was that moment where like, I, mean, I remember being in the theater thinking the whole time, like, Oh, this is a fun family movie. And then you see Sonic. I mean, he kind of got pissed and uh, it was almost like evil Sonic, but it wasn't evil Sonic. It was like Sonic who was suddenly done with all the, the, the nonsense that was going on. And you really started to see that, that protective side of Sonic come out, which, you know, if you play the games, he, that's very much a part of, of his, his persona. Um, one of the things I thought was also really cool was I liked how this, the visual effects had fun with showing just how insanely fast Sonic is where to, to Sonic, because he's moving so quickly, it's almost like the flash where everything's moving in slow motion or sometimes almost seeming like everything's in frozen in time, like bullet time or something, but he's able to move around and do things. And I, I for one really enjoyed that. Did you think that was cool? Yeah, I thought it was cool, but I, I, I at the same time, I thought it, they, the special effect they used was already done before. Um, I think it was done with Quicksilver and X-Men kind of similar, not with all like the electricity per se, but how he slows down time and then does kind of some goofy stuff with, you know, rescuing people or, uh, um, you know, knocking people out or, 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 or diffusing a fight or getting out of a bad situation. So I thought, okay, yeah, I've seen that before, but, um, you know, but the thing is Sonic is not running at the speed of light. Like he's fast, but he's not the speed of light. And they kind of indicated that he, like he could, I'm like, mm, yeah, no, he's just, that's he, true. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, it's very true. And the thing is, too, uh, one of the nitpicks I had was when, you know, towards the end when Robotnik has a quill of Sonic and, you know, energizes that drone, which looked awesome, by the way. Yeah, um, that was really cool. That thing was pretty badass. Anyhow, um, so the drone is all of a sudden able to move as fast as Sonic. And while I thought, okay, I can stretch that, um, Robotnik has to react to control the drone to... Um, to, to keep up with Sonic. And so Robotnik still can't um, move or reflex as fast as Sonic. And so how can he turn the ship that fast? I you thought know? exactly the same thing. Yeah I, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Anyway, I just had to throw that out there. Go ahead, Gross. Moving on. 
Yeah, because especially when he, when, yeah, when, he, when he obtains one of Sonic Spikes and he's able to um, like reverse engineer it and, and use it to his advantage, which I thought was cool. That's totally Robotnik. That, that's exactly why in the game he's obsessed with trying to, to capture Sonic because he wants to be able to have uh, that power. But at the same time, I thought the same thing. I'm thinking, wait a minute, he's going almost as fast as Sonic, but he, there is no way he could have the same type of response time that Sonic has. I think that that probably would have been better handled if like, say within Eggman's tech, how like he was able to, you know, have the, the, the ship hone in on, on Sonic's signature or something like that, or, or basically have some, some form of autopilot. I think I would buy that a bit more, but I mean, that, that was a small thing uh, in the overall movie. Um, changing gears over to the characters. There's not a lot of, of characters in here. There's really only four main characters I wanted to touch upon. I, uh, I I find myself enjoying James Marsden as Tom. He's the the, the Tom Wachowski, the the sheriff, I guess, of of the Green Hills. I thought he was uh, really good in this film. What do you think? Yeah, no, I I thought he did a great job. I you know I, I would think it's it'd be difficult to uh, try and act with a, a a creature that's not in front of you, something that's going to be animated, and. You know, who knows if they had, you know, someone dressed up in a, in a green screen kind of outfit or what. But, um, I mean, he really played it off as someone that he he is for sure talking to. And, like, his eyes were uh, looking straight at Sonic and not away like, I'm looking in thin air and having a conversation with something that's not there. It's fictional. It'll be on screen, but uh, it's not in front of me, you know. And so, uh, I mean, I've seen a ton of movies where they blend the real life um with the animated and you can kind of tell you know, the director says, okay, after you say that pause for 13 seconds and then say your next line, because you know, that they're animated, whatever is going to have to respond to you. And you know, he, he, uh, I don't know. I, he, he definitely, I pulled it off where I, I could believe that he was talking to Sonic and could hear Sonic talking to him. It didn't seem, you know, fake at all. Yeah. But I thought I actually thought he and um, and Tika, uh, I think or Sumter, Tika Sumter, Tika Sumter. I thought yep. they had great. I thought they had great chemistry together. They did, didn't they? I I absolutely loved watching them on screen. Um, and I kind of wondered why, what the whole story was with her sister, like why she hated him so much. I'm like, what is going on here? The guy is totally cool. He's stable. He's responsible. He loves your sister. <laughs> like you know, he worked for like two or three jobs to put her through college. Like what's wrong with this guy? Why do you hate him so much? And I was like, I don't know, something they didn't really addressed in the, in the movie, but like there, there are deal? always family members who have, I don't know when you, when you look at extended family and that sort of thing, sometimes that you, you can have a family member who is a conspiracy theorist or maybe just plain out doesn't like your spouse. And so I, yeah, I, I just bought it and kept going. But I did. I mean, Tika. Okay, can I just say Tika is gorgeous. I don't. I, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. And all of a sudden, she comes on the screen. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think she was on uh, one of those model shows, and then um, I think she's had some some bit parts. I I haven't watched anything that she's been in, but Sarah, my wife, has, and said that she's uh, seen her in a couple different movies that she's seen. Yeah. Well, I think that they both did a really nice job and they made an, I thought they made an, an adorable on-screen couple. The, uh, the, the final person I wanted to, to also give special mention to is Ben Schwartz, who's the voice of Sonic. 
I th- I really thought that that was a, a great selection for the voice. I thought that that if I had to go through and try and figure out okay what would a movie version of Sonic's voice sound like, I thought that was perfect. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I hear you. So anyway, I think um, before we get into our con- our concluding thoughts. Um, one of the things too, that I, I thought was fun well, there, there's a couple of things I thought were fun to, to point out. One of which is how, um, they kind of were poking fun at, at the mushroom world. Oh, I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> did you think about how that was probably kind of a jab at super Mario? Yes, I did. I thought, <laughs> I didn't know how much they were going to talk about that. And I thought, yeah, you know, he doesn't like mushrooms and I'm like, Ooh, mushrooms. I kind of like mushrooms. And then when I kept on saying like, you know, yeah, who likes mushrooms? Like this mushroom world where mushrooms are a good thing. I'm like, I see where you're going here. But, <laughs> uh, but then they never really hashed it out. It was just like the mushroom world. So, um, Anyhow, I mean, it would be funny if, like, if they if they were to make a Sonic two and they showed how Robot Nick like got out of the Mushroom World or something, and then they alluded to like uh, like a, a, a red and white mushroom coming out of the ground or something. You know, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be fun if they kept that joke going. Yeah, exactly. Or have some like um, like Venus flytrap spit a fireball or something, you know, like, okay. Yeah. I see where it kind of, what world he's on. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was pretty clever throughout the whole thing. The other thing I thought was worth mentioning too, was toward the end when they're repainting their house and getting it back in order. Did you notice how the music was a variation of green Hill zone? No, I, I missed it. Yeah, I, I mean, if- it, it did sound familiar, but I couldn't pinpoint what they were doing. It, it, it didn't, there wasn't enough familiarity. My daughter totally called on it too. We're watching it and you hear the piano playing. It's like, da, 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 da. And my daughter turns, she's like, that's Green Hill Zone. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. So, and you could hear murmurs from other people in the audience too who, who picked up on the, the music itself. So I thought that was pretty cool. Well, tell me your concluding thoughts as well as your rating of the film. So, I mean, like I said in the beginning, I thought it was um, I thought it was better than I than I originally walked in there thinking it was going to be. I, I'm I'm I would have to say that at, for a video game movie adaptation, which I never even thought was going to exist, because I've seen the Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon, I'm like, yeah, not for me. Um, I, I I thought it was it was pretty decent, and you know, it definitely was not made for someone like me. But however. Um, I thought it was scripted the best it could possibly be. And I mean, kudos to whoever you know, wrote the script. I thought you did a great job. Um, sorry, I don't know your name. Um, but um, I, I would have liked to see more of what I saw in the beginning. I thought that would be the ideal Sonic uh, film. I like how they kept the door open for uh, sequels to happen. And I, you know, I think the, the, the computer effects for how they made Sonic uh, where it was fantastic and they kind of they showed a little bit of tails there at the end and I thought tails look great I thought that's the best way tails is gonna look on screen and um, I guess what I wanted to see more of is uh, I wanted to feel how it would be um, to, like you know if I, if, if I were just to see a GoPro that Sonic was wearing uh, that would have been 
I think the cat's meow. And that's what I'm used to watching you play the games. I'm used to seeing Sonic just jump everywhere. He's speed of light. I mean, he, I mean still, if I see Sonic being played today, he's still fast. And that was 16-bit era. Uh, as you know, compared to today, it's still fast. And uh, so I wish I would have seen more of that. And like, you know, towards the end, for example, like, you know, when he's um, when he's trying to get his rings off the top of the uh, whatever build, ah, I forgot the building that was, but um, I thought, well, in the game, he can go like vertical, you know, if he gets stuff enough speed, it shouldn't be a problem. And, and yeah, I was want, I was waiting for it. I was like, come on, just show me that. And they didn't. And then like all, and then towards the end also, I thought he was going to charge up and do that into that little um, ball that he does and launch. Uh, uh, because spin, that was, the spin dash? The spin dash, and that didn't happen either. I'm like, come on, what's going on? That's just Sonic's like, trademark ability. Um, anyway, so, I mean, they, they didn't give me some stuff that I was I was hoping for, and I hope if they were to make a sequel that it wouldn't just be on Earth, and that they would actually go back to like a different world that could be you know more computer-generated, and we can kind of see uh, the world of Sonic. Uh, I think they did the best with what they had, but I think, I mean, I think the... You know, hats off to the actors. Um, I think they did a great job. I think the script was was wonderful. I just kind of wanted to see more of the world of Sonic. I, you know, I, but I, at the end of the movie, I will tell you, I, I think the movie was the the perfect length. Uh, I wouldn't want it any longer. I wouldn't want it any shorter. Um, but I, I did. I, at the end of the movie, I was done with Sonic. I thought, okay, you know, I, I'm done hearing him talk. I'm done with the wit. I'm done with the dancing. Yeah. I'm not enough. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I, 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 yeah. So, anyhow, um, and I think that movie, if they ever get 3D right in films where it doesn't give me the headache, <laughs> um, I think that would be a great movie to have uh, in 3D. But um, anyway, I, you know, I appreciated the lightheartedness. Um, I just think they did the best with, with what they had. And as far as a, you know, a video game to movie um, adaptation, I thought it was, it, it was great. I just don't know if I'm, I, I, yes, I want a sequel, but no, I don't really care to go see this one again. So, um, I mean, I, I would say, uh, I would have to say a two and a half for me. Okay. Well, let's see here. Let me my thoughts. I think this film could have very easily ended up being horrible, but it was it really was not, in my opinion. Uh, I love the new look of Sonic and think that Ben was great as the voice of Sonic. I think Jim Carrey was a great choice as the villain. I agree with you in the sense that I would like to see more of a focus that exists in Sonic's fantasy world. I think when it comes to the sequel especially, I think that it was fun to be able to go to Earth and be able to have that. I think that it was appropriate for the, the first film to be able to do something like that. But I would, in the sequels, like Sonic to either return to his world or maybe have kind of a back and forth between worlds, something like that. Um, but when it came to the this particular film, I liked how they took their time with it. I liked how it was almost like an origin story. And I liked how at the end of the movie, we see Dr. Robot Nick on the mushroom world and he's clearly lost any kind of like sanity that he actually had left. And it sets up the sequel for him to be able to come up with all kinds of crazy inventions and horrible weapons and that sort of thing. Not to mention that he had morphed into the iconic Eggman with the bald head and the huge mustache and stuff. I thought, I thought he looked great. He looked just like how he was supposed to look. I'd also like to see 
more embracing of classic Sonic elements such as Robotnik trapping animals inside of mechanic monstrosities as well as multiple inventions he could introduce throughout a sequel that Sonic has to take out. You know, almost like like from the games how if you have certain types of boss fights and that sort of thing, how like you, he would come across these, these types of things that he'd have to do. Not so much a literal translation of the video game itself, but having certain nods to that, I think would be, uh, oh, for me, I, I'd like to see that. I applaud how they approach uh, key aspects of the game, which were pretty abstract and didn't provide much explanation and grounded them into more of a, a purposeful reality. I think that was actually one of the strengths of the film. And I appreciated the overarching theme of friends. I think that um, the idea of um, the importance of having friends, but more importantly, watching out for them and protecting them. I think that 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 is a a terrific principle to make sure that that, um, more awareness is built around that for kids. And, uh, and, and of course, when it comes to family entertainment, I think it's it's nice to, to see something like that go on. I do think that, that that there are areas that the film can certainly improve upon, but what we have is something that I think is worthy of merit, and I definitely will be going to see a sequel if they decide to make one. I think for this film, I'll probably give it about, I think 3.5 stars for me. Knew it. I was going back and forth between 3 and 3.5, but I think 3.5 is, is kind of where it's at because, like I said, I think that the, there was a lot that could have completely made this film a laughing stock, and I got to hand it to the, the filmmakers. They actually did a commendable job in making something that was entertaining, that wasn't cheesy, and they were able to kind of circle the wagons and deal with with some of the shortcomings that everybody was very upset about. And plus too, like I said earlier, I'm just, I'm in shock over how popular Sonic still is because you don't really see, you know, the, the Sega platform is, you know, dead and buried. They, they just do software now. And on top of that, when it comes to Sonic games, it's not like there's like some sort of raging big series that is coming out every other year. But for some reason, there is still a very much um, a vested interest, even with the, the new generation of kids. I, th- I think it speaks volumes to uh, the the character design itself. One of the things, too, before we sign off um, that I, I, I thought it'd be fun to just to briefly cover are other games that ha- are they're, they're like in the process of being made into movies. And I figured I'd get your opinion on some of these, Steve. Um, Monster Hunter, which I don't think you've played. I've played some of it. Yeah. yeah. I haven't played enough of the game to really understand the, the, the story, but I understand the context of it. Um, apparently that one has a release date of September 4th of this year. Um, so we'll have to see how that uh, ends up going on. There's also a new Mortal Kombat movie that is slated to come out on January 15th of 2021. Um, I'm actually looking forward to that just based on what, how, you know, their, their efforts from the previous films. I think that, that they have the potential to really make this thing cool. And I, I hope that they, they, they strap a, a rated R on that one. What do you think? I think they'd have to, the last one was rated PG 13 and it was fine, but everyone who saw it thought, mm, this is 
this got the Mortal Kombat name and the characters, but this is not <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uncharted is getting their own movie. And actually Tom Holland is attached to the project as the main character. That's supposed to come out on March 5th of 2021. They have Tomb Raider 2, which if, if you recall, the last Tomb Raider movie that came out was, uh, we, I don't even think we saw it, but it I was pretty s- bad. No, I saw it. I saw it on Netflix. Oh, you did. That's right. And well, it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> apparently they're, they're wanting to, to keep it going. So they have a sequel that's going to come out March 19th of 2021. It's crazy. Like these release dates are, are next year. There's gonna be a lot of video game movie adaptions here. Get this. They have a Minecraft movie that they're working on oh, and that is <laughs> supposed to come out March 4th of 2022. Um, there are other games that um, have they're they're at certain levels of production, but they don't have confirmed release dates. There's Assassin's Creed, uh, Borderlands, Call of Duty, Carmen Sandiego, Centipede, Contra, The Division, Duke Nukem, Fatal Frame, Firewatch, Fruit Ninja, Gears of War, Half Life, Heavy oh. Rain, Just Dance, Kane and Lynch, The Last of Us, Mass Effect. Mega Man, Metal Gear Solid, Metro 2033, Missile Command, Monument Valley, Pokemon, um, Detective Pikachu 2. That's no surprise. I figured they'd have a sequel to that one. Portal, Resident Evil, Roller Coaster Tycoon, Shinobi, Silent Hill. There's a sequel. I guess uh, I remember they made a Silent Hill movie, but I guess yeah, they're making another sequel. I that saw one. it. Yeah. The Sims. Ugh. Super Mario, the movie's coming back. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tetris. Watch dogs. <laughs> so again, and, and my list is not a complete list, but I just figured I'd give you uh, a healthy dose of just what is on the docket. And there are, I, I will say there is a sprinkling in there of certain games that I think could turn into good movies, but there's an awful lot that I'm like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I'll say any, uh, any golden ax, any altered beast, Russ? I don't have that on my list. No, no, no. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-A. Whoa, no. Let me replace or let me retry that again. Patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M. And consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Take care, everybody. <laughs>